0: If there's one thing that's better than running, it's got to be running with your dog. Join Sean Sobon and Ivor Redgers for Trail Tales ARP, Canicross Edition. Where we will explore the growing sport of Canicross and the adventures it will bring for you and your canine pal. Welcome to a special edition of Trail Tales ARP, Sean Sobon here with you, this is our Across edition. I've got two special guests with me here today. I've got Cindy Cherry from Don Cherry's Pet Rescue Foundation and Kelly Alon from Lost Boys Hope, which you've heard about before. Uh, That's where we got Piper the Wonder Dog. So Cindy, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: And Kelly, thank you as well. Thank you. So Cindy, I guess we'll start off with you and um, talk a little bit about uh, Don Cherry's um, Pet Rescue Foundation and people would be familiar with the name Don Cherry. I guess that's your dad and and hockey hockey royalty in Canada, as I would say. But um, let me ask, um, how long has the foundation um, been in existence?
1: we started about 2015 or so. So it's been a while now. It's just hard to believe how time flies and, and all. And uh I started it because, you know, we used to get a lot of requests from uh, uh, a lot of rescues for their fundraising efforts, Don Cherry Memorabilia. And we always felt that we wanted to help out a little bit more other than just giving them stuff for their fundraising events. So uh, dad started to uh, say, you know what, we should start a foundation. And and just distribute money as opposed to uh, memorabilia to help further events. So that's what we did.
0: Amazing. And so do you know off top of your head how many uh, rescues you've been able to assist over the years?
1: Oh, there's been 40, 50 maybe of them. and. Uh, they're all on our website and, uh, we give, we give money. And then sometimes we also pay for emergency funding for vet bills that come in. We, and also, uh, yeah, it's, there's been quite a few, a lot. So they, they apply online and we do, uh, you know, we vet them, make sure they're legit and everything. And it's a pretty easy process and we just go from there. So we give the money.
0: That's amazing, and I think that um, you know, these rescues who are in the trenches, as your dad says again, um, are, are very important. It's, I can't even you know, come to fathom how much work is involved, and Kelly, we're going to get into that with you in, in just a little bit. Um, so Cindy, as, as president uh, with the foundation, um, where would you say uh, most of your donations come from?
1: Well, it's very limited, I'll tell you. Uh, we don't have too many, uh, we don't have too many fundraisers. Our main one now is uh, called Coach's Closet, and we're off raffling, not raffling. We're auctioning off a lot of dad suits and uh, the jackets, people seem to like that. so they pay big bucks for that. And then we have a lot of sports memorabilia. So as you can realize, like with many rescues out there, the events for the last couple of years have really put it, you know, because of that COVID plague thing, uh, really have put a damper on, on the events that like the galas and the golf tournaments and everything else. So it's really been tough. And most of them have turned to online auctions and that's where we get most of our money too. And then just plain old donations from people. And then dad still does some, uh, promotion and all this, uh, for whatever. And he gives all his money still to, uh, to, to the foundation, any money that he makes for people wanting him to do something and all that, he just gives it, gives it to the foundation.
0: Oh, that's amazing. What a, what a big heart he has. Um, so would you say that now that, you know, restrictions have kind of been lifted, do you, do you see yourselves getting back into in-person events with the fundraising and everything?
1: No, dad's not big on golf tournaments <laughs> we used to have the rose cherries home for kids years and years ago and i think i od'd him on golf tournaments and galas and all that so i'll have to i'll have to see about that uh uh it's a lot of work as kelly knows putting on events so uh we'll have to see about that one
0: fair enough fair enough um i guess you know your dad's been a dog guy he had his, his famous dog blue for many years um you know growing growing up um w- were you a household that always had animals around or dogs or cats or any of that
1: Oh from day one uh, we always had animals like I moved about 50 times but we still always had guinea pigs and rabbits and dogs and birds and pets and the whole deal so we we were a very family oriented uh uh f- family but we never you know we we always didn't have bull terriers uh we used to start off with uh we started with a Maltese and poodle and Things like that. And then uh, then dad said that's it. I want a bull terrier. And that's when blue came into effect.
0: Amazing. How how long did blue live for? Oh, well, blue, well, bull
1: terriers aren't exactly Kelly would test to this, they're not the longest leg, leg, longevity, is that the word for bull yeah. terriers? But it lasted 12, 13 years, which is pretty long for a bull terrier. Usually you're on borrowed time after 10, 10 years for those that breed of dog, anyway.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I've got uh, I've got four dogs myself here at home. I've got two 13 uh, year old Boston Terrier uh, French bulldog mixes and then I've got Piper who's my Manitoba designer dog and we'll <laughs> learn about those and she's she's just over two now and then I've got uh, Luna who's a mix between um, a Siberian husky and an American bulldog. So oh yeah she, yeah she's a, she's a ball of energy that one but uh, I can imagine
1: that yeah. sounds like a, lot, a handful there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Similar household to, I guess what you grew up with. We've got three hamsters. We had three skinny pigs. Um, and you know, a couple rats here and there and they come and go. Skinny they,
1: pigs. Are those the one the hairless, the hairless skinny pigs? You got
0: it. Yeah, we call them house hippos. <laughs>
1: uh, they are so cool looking to touch those things. Oh I they my gosh, yeah. Kelly, have you ever touched one of those skinny pigs? I have not touched a skinny pig, but we've oh. had hamsters end in demise here. No, no, there's, <laughs> things pretty unique. I I got to tell you, I've, I've, I've held a couple and man, oh man, they are something.
0: Aren't they like a little, they're a little furnace. They're so warm, eh?
1: Oh, they are. They're just, they're, they're so fleshy. They're just, uh, it's just unbelievable. I couldn't believe what, what, the first time I held one, how different they felt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're they're pretty unique. So Kelly, you had mentioned you had a few hamsters meet their demise with that. Was that at the, uh, at the jaws of a Manitoba designer? <laughs>
2: unfortunately it was
0: yeah I'm not surprised Piper seems to have a fascination with our hamsters and every time we take them out to clean the cage she's sitting there licking her chops and we make yeah. sure she doesn't get too close
2: <laughs> it's an unfortunate event
0: yeah so Kelly let's turn our attention uh over towards you and to Lost Boys Hope so Lost Boys Hope is is a obviously a rescue that's near and dear to my heart that's where we got Piper from and in here in the room with me but maybe i'll make her come on to the camera in a bit but um i guess my question is to you i guess we'll start off with i guess uh when was lost boys hope developed and and you know how did it all begin what were the origins of it
2: well it all sort of started by accident really i was working with another rescue um worked there volunteered there for a couple of years and then uh in 2016 i left there (laughs) Um, and being quite naive, I thought, I'll start my own rescue. This has got to be easy. Quickly found out it was not an easy task, but um, I started out with 10 volunteers. They, we pretty much did everything. We started, um, start to finish was just us 10. And then um, people started hearing that I had started a rescue. We started taking more dogs in and then we started working in Manitoba and then it just snowballed from
0: there. Amazing. And so how did you end up um, working in Manitoba? Because That's where majority of the dogs are coming from that you rescue now, right?
2: Yeah. And about 90 percent 90, of our dogs are northern Manitoba dogs. I actually got in contact with a girl um, and Cindy knows her. her name's Katie Powell. She runs Save a Dog Network. She and I sort of struck up a friendship and then um, we started uh, assisting her. She was a frontline rescue. She still is. They're still around. Um, so we started helping them. I think we, I think Lost Boys was one of the first um, Ontario rescues to start pulling from the northern Manitoba. Um, we kind of brought some friends in and then frontliners in Manitoba discovered that we were sending them to Ontario and they jumped on board. So now I see there's, you know, there's, t- everybody takes from Manitoba now to help them out.
0: Yeah. Now, can you can you shed some light on the situation in northern Manitoba and why these dogs need rescue and why there's so many of them up there?
2: Well, currently, it's it's at a catastrophic uh, phase. COVID's really um, struck them hard because the reserves shut completely down. They weren't allowing frontline rescuers in. So, I mean, two years of females breeding constantly, you know, those their offspring's breeding and that sort of thing. Um it, it, it's a really dire straight uh event there right now so most rescues are full most most rescues are pulling in what they can by by the hundreds but it's still um it's still to the point where they unfortunately have to start culling um we don't like that to happen but you know with no fosters and everybody COVID's now opened up the foster the the world so Fosters want to be busy and they don't want to be tied down at home. Like through COVID, we could take, you know, hundreds of dogs. But now, um, and I think every rescue has the same occurrence that the fosters want to be free and they want to um, go and do fun stuff and not be home with dogs. So, I mean, we're full, we're we're at, all of us are at capacity and we just can't seem to keep up with the overpopulation in Manitoba.
0: Oh, wow. So I guess, I guess one of the bright things with COVID was the fact that fosters were willing to take in take in these dogs and and keep them right and like you said now that things are open people are chomping at the bit to get out and do things and unfortunately there's no time for the dogs right
2: unfortunately i mean we have a foster base of about 160 okay and i think we have maybe 20 active fosters currently right now the rest are all on hold because of events and kids and you know school's back in and that sort of stuff so we're doing what we can we're pulling in as many as we can. Um, and we have a lot of, uh, medical cases, unfortunately, because of COVID and not being able to get in there. Um, there's a lot of injured dogs that have come in a lot of heartworm dogs that are in behaviorals because, you know, they just, you know, they're, they're hungry there. They're not getting fed, um, that sort of stuff. So, I mean, we're doing the best we can, but you know, with limited, limited people and volunteers and that sort
0: of stuff. Yeah. Um,
1: typically with- uh, can I say something Sean Absolutely. about organization uh you know just let everyone know she she rescues the tough dogs you know she doesn't she doesn't rescue the designer dogs that are easy to place and all that her dogs are the tough ones to find homes for you know if you can imagine you know they're coming from the reserve and and they're bigger and they you know it's 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 very hard so my my hat goes off to her the ones that are are, are tough to place, right, Kelly?
2: Thanks so much, Cindy, yes. Uh, we're known for
1: taking the, the bigger, a
2: lot of rescues, like, like Cindy said, they want the puppies and they want um, the pregnant females, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty of the big males, nobody really wants to step up and take those guys, and I mean, they need help too. Our focus is mostly um, the adults. We try to get the adults out. I mean, does that bring puppies? Sometimes it does. God Lake God Pole in December, Uh, We pulled 12 pregnant females out unknowingly. But generally, um, if the frontline rescuers have the difficult, bigger dogs that no one wants to take, Lost Boys always steps up to take them.
0: That's amazing. And I know through through following, you know, the Facebook group and you post all the dogs up there, there are a lot of them there that, you know, they need some serious vet care. And unfortunately, some of them don't don't survive. But I know that you you guys do everything you can to try to give these dogs a chance. Um, what what have been some of the more serious um, conditions you found that some of these dogs in? Um,
2: most of them are, um, you know, catastrophic car injuries. We have uh, Nika right now who was hit twice by a car. Okay. She um, suffered a broken leg the first time and then a broken pelvis the second time. She was just in today actually to see our specialist to see how she's doing. Um, A lot of degloving, which is uh, the skin from the legs completely pulled off, Um, broken pelvises, uh, broken legs. We have lots of amputated dogs. You see all the three legged dogs. That's what that's from is from uh, catastrophic injuries from vehicles or um, snow machines. We get a lot of dogs that are pack attacked with injuries on their necks, their scrotum, their legs that sort of stuff. So it's really uh, like life changing injuries that the, these dogs are coming in with. It's
0: so it's so heartbreaking to hear about, about those stories and, you know, with, with all this care that these dogs require and even, you know, the transport costs and everything, there must be a, quite a big financial burden um, to, to get this care for these dogs. So how important is it for foundations like Don Cherry's Pet Rescue Foundation and, and other places um, to donate the money to you guys to to be able to get this uh, vet care?
2: Oh, my gosh. It's so important. It, it literally means life or death. Cindy just recently, Don Cherry's just recently donated to Lost Boys. That entire donation went to Nika and her her issues with her legs. It, um, it I mean, it, it it determines whether we can bring them in. I mean, obviously, we can only bring in the medical cases that we can afford to mm-hmm. be responsible. Um, and that's what these... You know these companies that donate—that's what it goes to. I mean, adoption fees covers our rent and our vaccinations, but the big donations, like companies from Don Cherry's, that's what helps us help help the big bills.
0: Okay, and how i
1: also say she- something about the donation, the don- adoption fees. If people are listening out there, and I don't know Kelly, if you get it, a lot of people think adoption fees are high, and they have, and they and they really and moan about it you know like well you should be happy that i'm giving this dog a home and you you know eight hundred dollars for adoption fees i could go out and buy a dog for that yeah. and people don't realize how much uh how much money it takes to bring these dogs up to par even to be adopted out so please if you're thinking of adopting a dog and don't even begrudge the the rescues for their high adoption fees because they'll never make any money. I mean, they're not in it for the money. They're not going to make money on adoption fees. So I think that's really important for the public to realize that. And uh, sometimes they don't. And then I always find too that a lot of these people that adopt dogs, um, they don't realize they actually think Kelly's on salary or this is her job. Like this is a career. They don't realize that these people are volunteering their own time. And sometimes the way they talk to them, it's like, I think they think you're, you're an employee or something. So uh, I think I, I think it's own- important to know people to know that.
2: Yeah. I mean, our adoption fees um, cover the basics. I mean, for, for, you know we spay and neuter all of our dogs we microchip them we vaccinate them i urge people to go out and price that out before they even get a dog when they start talking about um how the adoption fee is too high i mean yep. price at spay and neuter that's six or seven hundred dollars and when your adoption fee is only seven hundred dollars uh, um i mean it cu- puts it into perspective when when we tell them to go and price it out before they adopt
0: yeah absolutely and, and to add to that point too when i found out that you know when we got piper and she was due for her spay Um, and we realized like, you know, that the adoption fee wasn't really high. When you factor in all those things, we ended up, um, paying for the spay ourselves. That way it could help you guys out a little bit more financially as well. Right. Because we're like, we're in a position to be able to do this. So why not? Right. Like, absolutely. Let's help some dogs. So appreciate that. Of course. Of course. So our um, bed bills
2: alone last month were over $60,000
0: for the month. Wow. That's, that's astronomical. Absolutely. Yes. So, can you um, take us through maybe like a typical run where you would be going up to Manitoba and and bringing back dogs to Ontario? What what does that look like?
2: Uh, it really depends on what the situation is. Um, if I'm going up to Front Line to pull myself onto the reserve, um, I'll give you an example. December, I chartered a flight um, to God's Lake, Manitoba. They uh, are in desperate need of continued help. Unfortunately, a flight is like $9,000. So I literally pack myself up. It's generally me that goes and I drive. Um, I drive to Manitoba and I'll get a hotel, stay there. And literally first thing in the morning, I'm boarding a plane or boarding, um, taking the van up to, you know, eight hours to a Northern Reserve where we meet community members that assist us there. We often meet the counselors, the chief and council. And or, you know, RCMPs, they will bring us around. They, we generally have a list of people who need the assistance in the communities. We go house to house and we meet the people and we offer our services, whether that be a span return for a female who just had puppies and they want the dog back. We, you know, we take the puppies and we take the mom and we bring them here and they're in foster care for four months and then we ship them back. Um, and then, you know, we load up the van as much as we can and we, I generally drive the entire route back, usually alone. Um, that, that consists of me driving with, you know, 40 to 60 dogs, puppies, cats. Some I even had a pig one time, <laughs> uh, um, in the back of my van. And I literally just pull over on the side of the street and sleep a couple hours and then get up and continue driving. It's about a 30 hour drive at the end of the day.
0: Oh my goodness. We,
2: we do also have some great uh, volunteers that help us along the way. One in a uh, group in Thunder Bay. They will come out, volunteers, and walk all of the dogs. They walk water, feed them, load them back up for me, and then we head to Sault Ste. Marie, and then there's another team in Sault Ste. Marie that do walk water feeds there for us. So that Sault Ste. Marie is only about six hours, so we load them back up, and I drive the rest of six hours to meet my volunteers here.
0: Okay, and, and when you get back uh, to home base, what happens, what happens there? Chaos I bet
2: um, we I have I'm fortunate enough to have um, a building that I can you know take all the dogs to so we unload all of the dogs into my facility we have the fosters literally lined up outside waiting they come an hour prior to get their supplies um, supplies crate, food that sort of stuff anything they need and one by one we take each dog out we weigh them we take a picture we deworm them um, the odd time, depending on the situation, we will, uh, microchip them and then call the foster in leash collar out to go. So they literally, I have two doors. They literally go in circles, foster in foster out foster in foster out. So it's, it's just a rotation. We have volunteers there that then take the crates out and they clean all the crates and sanitize them for the next trip, stack them nicely. And then we go home and rest for 10 days. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amazing. And, can I ask,
1: can I ask a question? Please dear. do. You, do you do you pay also for the food and like when the fosters have them? How much you know expenses it to keep those dogs going, even at the foster level? It really depends. Most of our food is donated,
2: but there are times lately that I've actually had to go out and spend, you know, a thousand dollars on bags of puppy food because we've had so many puppies and we can't keep the don the donations just don't keep up. So I mean, to keep them in foster care from start to finish, costs us about six, seven hundred dollars. Just amazing that's with bedding and that sort of stuff. So it's about seven hundred dollars a dog, and that's just a dog that's not sick. Like that's not a dog that has parvo or you know has a broken bone or anything like that. It's just
1: amazing, you know. It the foster must is the is the lifeline, hey, eh, for for you. Oh, I- Honestly,
2: I, I, people will say, Kelly, you know, I get lots of props and I, people, you know, try to stroke my ego and that, but to me, it's the fosters that are opening their homes that are doing the hard work that, that, that are the reason the dogs are here. If we didn't have fosters, we, we wouldn't have dogs here.
0: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you, how do you, um, select your fosters? How does that work?
2: we do we take um applications and we have a team that actually calls them and screens them and does um like a a virtual home visit for them a virtual home visit make sure everything's cool and safe and that sort of stuff um we put them in categories depending on what the dynamics of their house is you know if they have kids or you know other dogs or that sort of stuff if they don't have dogs that's like a unicorn foster um it's it very rare to get a foster who doesn't have dogs because you do get the odd dog that comes in that you know can't be with other animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we put them in categories and then we just put a shout out to the to our groups and say, hey, we have this dog coming in or that dog coming in. They just step up as they fit the category.
0: Amazing. Okay, great stuff. It's funny, there's a there's a couple that lives just up the street from me and they had fostered um, in the past. I think they ended up having a foster fail. So they've got their dog, mm-hmm. Dolly, now. So... Our, our dogs get together every once in a while and go running with them. So it's pretty Roster. neat because we just happen to see them walking and said, Oh yeah, I adopted my dog. We asked him where? They mentioned lost boys like, oh crap, another lost boy. Pretty cool. Yeah,
2: we're at 1440 or sorry, 4000 plus now.
0: Wow. Wow. Is there still is there still a high demand in Ontario for dogs for adopting?
2: It's it has slowed down. Applications are low. Um, I think because of COVID, everybody was going crazy there for a little while. It was, it was manic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has slowed down. I've, we've slowed down. We're burnt out. All rescuers, mm-hmm. you know, right now are burnt out too. My fosters are burnt out. So we've slowed down, but generally, you know, puppies always go. Puppies are easy. Um, but the adults, it's really slowed down. We're, we're struggling with some of them to get them adopted, but they, they generally they they find their spot.
0: Yeah. And, I guess when they're in limbo, they're, they're staying with their fosters until, until somebody finds them. Um, how, how long can it take typically for one of the adults to go like one of the more difficult dogs to adopt?
2: Uh, it really depends. All of our dogs are in quarantine for two weeks. So it's a minimum of two weeks. We keep them. Okay. Um, some of the adults, just, ret- I mean, Cindy, I'll tell you boxer breeds, that sort of stuff goes quick, cute, little fuzzy blue eyed ones. They, they go quick, you know, But I mean, the, generally the tan and blacks, the, the, the black dogs kind of hang around. Um, but I think the longest we had was Patsy and she was here, um, since September and she actually just came back and she's at like a board and train right now because she's very, very shy. I mean, that's another thing like that all has to get paid for as well. Like special specialized training and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But generally, I mean, for an adult,
1: they're usually here, you know, four to six weeks.
0: Okay. Okay. John, you got, have
1: you ever heard of that syndrome called Black Dog Syndrome?
0: No. What, what's that all about?
1: <laughs> Tell yeah. Kelly, Kelly it, it should be you know the podcast should also be educational, and you'd like to educate the people out there. Absolutely. And she had t- she had just touched on uh, the difficulty sometimes of uh, adopting out a black dog, right, Kelly? Yeah. We get lot, for some reason, we get a lot of
2: black dogs. Like, I think we have four puppies now that are black. We have a bunch of females that are black. They, they just, they don't photograph well, I think is what it is. They, they're, they they're very odd looking on camera and uh, they don't present well, but the black and, tans. I mean, black and tans are my favorite. I don't know why people don't like them. Um, they, they're hard to, they're hard to sell to people.
1: And that's, it's a real problem there. It's a whole syndrome out there called black dog syndrome. And uh, I groom dogs and I just had a client the other day and, and it was sort of a, it looked like a reserve dog. And I said, I bet, and I can, I can tell a rescue dog a mile away. And I, I said to him, is this, is this a rescue? And he goes, yeah, it is. I says, wow, it's this pretty neat looking dog. He goes, well, and he knew what I was saying about saying that it was a black dog. He goes, well, I know. He goes, he goes, I know black dogs are hard to find a home. So that's why I took this one. And I got I got choked up. Said, Isn't that great that this guy would specifically get a black dog? Because he knew about this, this stigma that they have. Yeah, I've, I've
2: heard we have females that have puppies, and then when we see a white one, we say a white one because there's so many black
1: ones all the time. Yeah, you wouldn't think that, would you, Sean?
0: Sorry, say that again. My dog's no, are making noise.
1: Sean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that, would you? Like that, that you know, there's a stigma
0: there. No, I wouldn't. It's funny because Dolly, the other lost boys up the street, she's a black dog.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and my and Piper, she's a tan, right? So. Yeah. I
2: mean, I wear a lot of black. The next dog I'm getting is a black one.
0: There you go. I guess, you know what? Their fur is going to be uh, not as easy to spot on your clothes too, if it's yeah. the same color.
1: <laughs> it's the same thing. They say the same thing about cats too.
0: Yeah. We well, have... black cats are superstitious, right? You don't yeah. Want... They
1: got two strikes against them. They're, you know, they're, they they're superstitious. They're bad luck. They're associated with witchcraft. In fact, yeah. a lot of pounds and all that won't even adopt out black cats around uh, Halloween. Right, yeah. Kelly? Oh, yeah. really?
0: Eh? Oh yeah. people doing people doing horrible things with these black cats or what's the deal
1: oh yeah they won't won't adopt them out because of that wow
2: yeah we have some cats right now if anybody's interested some kittens we don't normally cats but if we're asked to help we do we do help we help them all we've helped rabbits too
0: yeah i've seen the occasional cat uh (laughs) up on the adoption page i haven't seen a rabbit before i have to ask though while we're talking about other animals what happened to the pig
2: the pig actually went to a sanctuary out in Owen Sound. I just transported it for another rescue. So I, when I'm heading to Manitoba, I put a call out. Does anybody have anything that needs to come back? And
1: um, sometimes it's something odd. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> well, there's a lot of pig. There's a lot of, you know, miniature pigs out there that yeah. they're cute when they're little piglets and the gullible public think, oh, aren't they cute? And they, they're being sold as Vietnamese. What are they? Vietnamese big knee piglets. Yeah thing and they end up you know 200 pounds later and the people have no idea how to take care of them so that there are rescues out there and again they're on our website that are specifically for saving pigs that these that they have really overgrown and were nothing like the when the people bought them but they turned out to be wow. so that's a real problem so i'm not surprised you have a, pigs you rescue pigs
2: yeah. yeah, this one had been attacked by a dog. It was actually on a reserve and um, they were just bringing him down. He had injuries. So they brought him down to the reserve here in Ontario. His name was Rupert. He was very cute. He was like a little pygmy pig. Made no noise.
0: Wow. So, it was good. He was
1: a good passenger.
0: So Cindy, are you saying some of these people are adopting these pigs, not expecting them to get so big? Not and adopting
1: then, them. They them. They buy them.
0: They buy them. Sorry. They right, right. buy
1: these cute little piglets. There's tons of them for sale. And the people think, oh, isn't that cute? They're as smart as a dog. they got a real good sales pitch for them. They can be housebroken. They're as smart as a dog. They say the, the people that sell them, they say everything that the owner, the gullible person wants to hear. And then, you know, yippee Io, Six months later, they weigh 150 pounds. Yeah. It happens all the time
0: oh my gosh yeah I think you know those the pigs, real they they're farm animals you got to keep them on the farm they need space especially if they're going to get that big that's
1: well they don't but that's the thing they if, if yeah. they were big if they stayed small then they would have a chance they For they sure. like dogs yeah you know if 40 50 pounds but it's, it's not just when people selling
0: them pounds. that are that are pretty much crooks they're stealing people's money lying to them right oh
1: well please don't get me well, going every, even the dog breeding industry oh the dog breeding industry and the whole the, gull- the gullibility I, I i do a lot of blogs on my on my website and the gullibility of the public to spend a lot of money on designer dogs and pygmy pigs and things it's just absolutely incredible so that's where i try to educate the public. Is, uh, Stop being so gullible when it comes to sales pitches about dogs, designer dogs and everything else. I won't even, I'm having my own podcast. I'm going to be talking a lot about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be great.
1: Yo, it's going to be controversial. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, but that's okay. Hey, that's okay. You know, that's, a,
0: that's that's the nice thing about having a podcast, can't... though. Yeah, you can't get fired from your own podcast, right? Yeah,
1: I was going to say they can't fire me the way they fire Dad. So I, I have a podcast, so I have I have no sponsors to get upset. <laughs> e-
0: exactly, and your your dad's doing all right on his podcast. Anyway.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's doing. He's, I hear he's up to about four million downloads, so he, he's he's uh, he's doing okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. I heard like I guess when he first started, he was uh he was outperforming Joe Rogan in terms of. Uh of downloads and things like that. I think in the first week was really oh, impressive.
1: Jeez, oh, Joe Rogan. I wish I'd right? be in that league. Holy <laughs> fuck. But, uh, yeah, well, I everyone mean, we wanted to see what he'd say and, uh, and stuff, but he's, you know, he's tough. We have a good time. I, you know, it's my brother and my dad, they do the podcast for hockey and I'm just, the. I don't know if I'm the token female or what, but I can <laughs> hold my own. Trust me. And, uh, but this is, I'm going to be doing another podcast with, uh, about pets and, issues and maybe kelly you can be a guest someday someday yeah we'll see
0: okay when when is that podcast gonna gonna start cindy
1: well i'm i'm doing it now and uh i'm getting about 10 in the can before i launch it so it'll probably be another couple months because i'm going to relate it to an article page and put it on my website and the whole deal so it's, it's a lot of work but i i'm trying to do a lot of different um controversial things about obedience and groomers and just stuff like that. I just have a good time doing it with my brother.
0: There you go. And I think it's, it's good because you're you're educating people about some of the things that they might not realize go on behind the scenes. right? Yeah.
1: Like, you know, we did one today. I did one, this is my second pod. I did one today on how to pick a dog groomer. What's mm-hmm. what to ask and what not to ask and what, how to get along with your dog groomer. And I have a lot of good stories. So hopefully, I'm, I don't want to take away from a podcast, but it's going to be entertaining too.
0: Amazing. send me send me the information on it i'll put it in the show notes for people who are listening to this one so they can find you there as well oh i appreciate that thank of you very course, much of course yeah no problem so um kelly you have um an event coming up next month uh near the end of june mm-hmm. right so why don't we why don't we uh talk about that a little bit we
2: have the um alpaca show on june 4th
0: okay um, that's really soon
2: will not be there but the alpacas will be there you don't know that joke probably no over my head. look it up um but yeah we have the alpaca show on june 4th that is in alliston i believe and then at the end of the month we have the alliston potato festival that we're there we're doing we're going to actually be doing a strut your mutt show it's a talent show there's going to be prizes and all kinds of stuff and it's all going to be uh to benefit lost boys
0: Amazing. I like it. Sounds great. Yeah.
2: We have the yard sale too. We have the uh, itchless flea market as well at our office on the 25th of June.
0: That's right. And I'll be attending there with uh, Piper the Wonder Dog as I like to call her and yeah. have some information there about can Across. And that's one of the things we didn't mention, but um, you know, when I got Piper, I've always been a runner and then I started learning about can Across, which is essentially cross country running with your dog and they're attached to you with like a mushing harness and you have a bungee cord to absorb the shock and I've been trying to kind of promote that and get people out there and being active with their dogs. So, uh, in November, there's going to be a can Across race up in uh, Mansfield outdoor center. And, and happy to say that, you know, some of the proceeds are going to be going to lost boys hope there. And oh, we've, already, we've already got some money, um, for that and people have donated. So pretty excited about that. And just to help promote the sport and people, you know, um, building relationships with their animals. It's a great way to great way to do it. So,
2: Awesome. Yeah. It looks fun. I'm not a runner, but,
0: well we also fun. we also have a fun run where you can hike or walk with your dog as well and you don't even need you don't even need any special equipment you can just bring your leash and collar and head out on the beautiful trails so well we'll see yeah there you go so Cindy and Kelly thank you so much um for joining me here and, and talking a little bit about what both of you are doing to help help all these dogs in need and, and other animals as well as, as we learned yeah. um and I guess Cindy if you have any closing thoughts I just, give you the mic now, if there's anything you want to say or share with any fundraising stuff coming up or anything you want to talk about real quick.
1: Well, our, our big fundraiser is, as I said, coaches closets, probably July, the first Canada day, we thought it was apropos that we launched it there. But, uh, my closing thing is that, you know, I admire so much people like Kelly that, you know, we don't do rescues here at the foundation, but it's people like her that are right, as Dad always says, in the trenches that are right there. So I really take my hat off to people like like her that volunteer their time. Everyone, you know, because the end thing today is oh everyone's so busy, busy, you know, that's the B word. Everyone's so busy. And you see people like Kelly, you go, nah, you're not compared to a person like Kelly. So uh, my hat goes off to you. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, I'll second that. And Kelly, any closing thoughts or comments from you?
2: I just I just want to encourage everybody to help your local rescues. Everybody needs fosters right now. Fosters means saving lives. If you can't foster, share their information on your Facebooks and your social media. That stuff helps more than anything you can imagine. Any word of mouth is the way to get every get it to happen. So that's what 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 I would suggest um support your local rescues and your local humane societies and spcas
0: that's fantastic and i will be putting up links to both of your organizations uh in the show notes so if people want to make donations or learn more about lost boys hope or don cherry's pet rescue foundation then we can certainly share that information and knowledge with them and hopefully people will find it in their hearts to uh to pony up some money and help you guys out with your continued work
1: thank you so much thank you very much can't ask for more than that